1: is your main event, Mark Podcast, brought to you by the Unhinged Sports Network and the Belly Up Sports Network. I'm your first host, lifelong wrestling fan, former radio guy, and cat dad, Troy. With me, as always, is the WWE Walking Wrestling Encyclopedia and the main event collector. He is the mankind of my pallbearer. Oh, yes! It's Greg. What's up, Greg?
2: What's up, Uncle Troy?
1: <laughs> well, today, man, we are talking about 1996's WWF In Your House 10 Mind the Games. Do you remember watching this one Mm -hmm. live? Yep. So, I I know you had said you and your dad were big Mick Foley fans. Were you at this time?
2: I was not. He was. Oh, okay. I was all in on, uh, hashtag all in, on (laughs) Michaels. That was my guy.
1: And, man, this is... uh, I don't know, would you say this is a forgotten, I mean, not to, you know, hell give, yes. give away ratings or whatever, but a forgotten classic of his? Yep, easily. Yeah, because this is one I honestly, going into it, because I, this is one of the rare shows that we've covered. I, I try to pick out things that either I haven't seen before or I don't remember, or, you know, whatever. Uh, this is one I have seen before, and when I rented the, think about how long ago I watched this, I rented the VHS as a kid. What
2: the hell is that?
1: I know. A us what do, you, what do you what do you do with that? You upload it to the cloud? No, the you
2: cloud. See. Do you remember know yeah. that scene in in, in Creed? He's like, "It's in the cloud." Rocky looks up at this guy It's in the cloud. What? <laughs> Holy crap!
1: Ah oh, man.
2: But uh, yeah,
1: no, I I like I went and I rented the VHS as a kid. I watched it. I was like, "Huh." Sean Michaels in Mankind. That seems interesting. And I was not let down, man. This was better than it had any right to be, I think. I would agree. So, and and we'll obviously get into all that. The rest of the show is meh. And we'll get into that as well.
2: There was a couple of matches on you that were decent. Yeah,
1: I mean, this whole show didn't suck. But it was, I mean, to me it was the epitome of an in-your-house. It was built around one match. The rest of the show was okay. And you didn't have to pay full price for a big-time pay-per-view. So there you go. It was, what, two and a half hours of entertainment?
2: Uh, about two,
1: yeah. Yeah, somewhere in there. <laughs> now you get a three-hour Raw every Monday night. So, my, how things have changed.
2: if yeah, they keep happening like they did the other night. Holy crap, I'm good with that.
1: Yeah, uh, re- the wrestling world has been set on fire, man. And, uh, you know, I I'm excited for all promotions at this point. Everybody's going strong. I will say, you and I had a good chuckle over the fact that Trevor Murdoch is the new NWA champion. That's
2: song. I just, I'm baffled. I don't think he's bad, mind you. I'm not, I'm not laughing because I think he's bad. This it just it's like right. random as hell.
1: Yeah, it's like, <laughs> wait a minute. He ended the three year reign, about three year reign of Nick Aldis? Because keep in no, mind, I, anybody. I
2: thought that, I thought that, uh, what's his name? Uh, Mike Bennett ending the reign of EC3 in TNA was weird.
1: <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> And well, and if anybody wants, you know, some reference on how long um, Nick Aldis has been champion now in the archives is all out 2018 with or excuse me, all in 2018. And that was the we basically called it the pilot episode for AEW. And one of the matches on the show was Cody Rhodes versus Nick Aldis for the NWA title. Cody won and he lost it like a month or two later back to Aldis. And he's been champ ever since. There's been no break in that reign, so it's been about three years. It's freaking nuts, man.
2: It's nook and butts, dude.
1: Getting your refer- your movie references in <laughs> early, man. All
2: right, that, well that is correct. I am him.
1: That is correct. Good lord, hey, anyway, we're gonna. That's the first one. We're gonna. Uh, talk, uh take our first break here in a minute to uh get in all the news and notes. I do want to let you know right before this break that the main event marks is sponsored by Fanatics. Get your officially licensed sports gear over at fanatics.com. The link, however, our special link is down in the podcast description, so go click on that and when you go to check out getting all your favorite sports gear from your favorite sports teams or players or leagues Definitely make sure that you let them know that the main event marks and the unhinged sports network sent you. Also, we're excited to announce our new sponsorship with Swift lifestyles. They are clean energy drinks and focus enhancers, great tasting vitamins and big brain, new tropics that are made and shipped from the U S of a go to swiftlifestyles.com and use our special promo code main event marks. That's all one word, no spaces for 15% off your order. Also, if you're listening on the podcast feed, thank you. Please leave a five-star review, share the show, and let us know how much you love it. Give us all the downloads and uh, spread the word. And uh, subscribe. Definitely subscribe. But also, uh, if you are listening on the podcast feed, we are live. I don't know if you know about that. We are live every Wednesday for a brand-new show at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. That is on the Unhinged radio network. That is on unhinged, sn.airtime.pro. The immediate replay is right after at 9.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Again, that's on Wednesdays. And we also have replays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on Thursdays, Fridays, and Mondays. So check us out. That's unhinged, sn.airtime.pro. We are live at those times. All right, now that we're done with all of that, uh, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're going to get into all the news and notes of the time right after this.
3: Follow the Main Event Marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector.
0: Get
1: all the best podcast swag from the Main Event Marks. Our merch shop offers custom graphics, including the podcast logo on hats, shirts, masks, greeting cards, and more. There are tons of new designs with more dropping all the time. Just head on over
3: to redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash Main Event Marks to grab your podcast merch today and become an official Main Event Mark. That's redbubble.com
1: forward slash people forward slash Main Event Marks.
3: Event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show.
1: All right, we're back. Hey, we're back. And uh, there's. I some appreciate thing. the pause, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, well I I know it I know it's coming now, so there you go. But before we get into all the news and notes of the time there, uh, I want to take a quick break here. I know that we're about to get into all the news and notes, plenty of it to get to today. But before that, I want to let you know that Yeats aims to provide the most unique and high-quality sunglasses on the market at an unbeatable price. They're built from the latest manufacturing techniques. Yeats shades are made for comfort, durability, and big Yeat moments. And on top of that, a percentage of all the profits go towards beach cleanups and other community outreach programs. No matter your style, their shades are here to help you chase your vision. Go to YeatsOfficial.com and use our special promo code, BellyUpPod, to save 10% at checkout. That's Y-E-E-T-Z Official.com and put in that promo code, BellyUpPod, that's B-E-L-L-Y-U-P-P-O-D, to save yourself 10% at checkout. Also, did you know, did you know? You can treat your balls. That's right. Go to manscaped.com. And at checkout, you can use that special promo code BellyUpFantasy, BellyUpFantasy, for 20% off at checkout. Manscaped.com, baby, treat your balls. They will thank you. But also, uh, now before we get into the news and notes, I want to let you guys know. This is a and, and I'm only speaking to like a handful of people here. I know. Because
2: Oh, yeah, I want to say something, too.
1: But, yeah, I I realize this is only, like, a handful of people that I'm talking to, because most of the people that listen to the show have told us this is their favorite part, is the news and notes. But, disclaimer to all of you out there, because we've gotten some negative feedback on certain things, one thing in particular. But this is, like, for fun, it's not, like, we're not getting paid for it, first of all. Like, this doesn't pay our bills. I wish it did, but it doesn't.
2: It's our pipe dream, though, let's be honest.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, we love podcasting. We love the show. We want to grow it. And, uh, you guys can help us do that. So please, you know, any way you can, if you really do enjoy it, uh, you know, please spread the word. That's the best way, you know, help us out. And it will bring you more content. If, uh, more content, you know, we, bro. Hell yeah. If we start getting paid for it, it'll, I mean, we'll, we'll make time, man. So, but this, uh, We're not reporters, okay? I'm literally reading news from mostly Uncle Dave Meltzer, uh, a little bit from Wade Keller, and some from some other sources that I've picked up here and there. I am not reporting this, okay? I This whole segment is for me to, like, read old news stories, say, hey, do you remember when we talk about it, we kind of reminisce, and then we move on. And it's to put us in the mindset of, remember when all this was going on at this time. So don't come at me like, well, you're fake news if I get something wrong, or if Greg gets something wrong. We're doing most of this from memory. Some of it we do research, but it's also not reporting. But I I don't know what else, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, because guys, you know, these people have crapped on us on YouTube, or have seeked us out and messaged us for whatever reason. They're not really worth spending all this time on. but. Look, if you're gonna come to us and say, hey, uh that was wrong, actually it's this and this I'm gonna be nice about it. I'm gonna be like, okay, cool, thank you. I appreciate it. We'll change it for next time, or we'll make a correction or whatever. But if you're gonna come at me like an a-hole, I'm gonna ignore everything you say. Um, so anyway, let's get into the news and notes finally. So uh, first story. Unfortunately, we're going from that into a story about death. Uh And we're back.
2: Yeah, right.
1: Right. Uh, Sapphire, real name Juanita Wright, who was Dusty Rhodes' former valet in the WWF, passed away for, of a heart attack on September 11th, 20, or er, excuse me, 1996, at the age of 61. Man, that's, uh, that's rough. Were you a fan of the, uh, Dusty Rhodes-Sapphire packaging growing up?
2: I was a huge fan, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I, I, did you, cause I know you were probably, uh. You were pretty young in 90, at this time in 96. Would you have well, heard anything? Okay, yeah. So would you have heard anything about her death? Other than, maybe I don't know
2: if they advertised like an in-memoriam on the show or something.
1: Right, okay. Yeah, because for those that don't know, I mean, at this time in 96, my family didn't have internet. A lot, most families did not have internet. I think it was
2: internet. like a, no, <laughs> like, to me, like to me, I mean.
1: Uh, I remember when we had a program on our computer Because internet used to go through the phone line for people that don't know. Uh, We had a program on our computer where we could make phone calls through the computer and we thought that was awesome. Mm. Now you and I are literally on Skype on wireless internet right now. So recording the podcast.
2: Maybe the future, dude.
1: Yep. Uh, but yeah, all that to say internet, the internet wasn't a huge thing at the time. Uh, unless WWE made a big deal of it back here. Uh It probably wasn't well known. But yeah, Um Sapphire passed away September 11th from a heart attack.
2: That was that sad. Sucks.
1: Yeah, she's only 61. I mean, to me, that's not old.
2: No, it's not. Yeah. My mom's six, so...
1: Yeah, yeah, my mom's 60, so I, I, I get that. I don't know. But uh, the latest... Here's one that's going to lead into the show. The latest news on WWF's fake Razor Ramon and Diesel Angle is that both Rick Bogner and Glenn Jacobs will indeed be playing the roles of the characters on the Live Raw next week. Bogner canceled his wrestling commitments in Japan so that he could return to the U.S. for the role. They've essentially turned Jim Ross' heel for the storyline, with Gorilla Monsoon acknowledging on TV that Kevin Nash and Scott Hall were under contract to a different company and putting all heat on Ross. This whole angle is being dismissed by pretty much everyone as a fraud and ratings. Uh... A fraud, and ratings for it are pathetically bad.
2: How do you measure ratings for one segment? Is my question. Like, where does that come from?
1: Uh, I mean, you can look at the quarter hours, I guess, but
2: uh, yeah. Yeah, but n- the way Bishop breaks it down, you can't really say that. That's. <sighs> I remember they were bragging a couple weeks, like a couple months ago, that AEW had like a almost a 1.6 million quarter hours, something like that, and it was for a, a random women's match. Uh, and it's like, okay, something doesn't correlate there because their women's division sucks. So I was like, what <laughs> was it? And I'm still baffled by it. But
1: yeah, usually I, it's, it used to be that Jericho was the big. I mean, that's why he was the demo god. Uh, you know, because he was the big ratings get. Like honestly, his segments were the highest rated segments in all of AEW there for the longest time. I don't know about anymore. Uh, there's I want I can't remember who else there was. There was him and. Maybe MJF. I, I can't remember honestly.
2: Who's better than you, and you know it. Well, hell yeah. He's more Jewish than
1: you, and you know it.
2: Too fair. Every Jewish person is more Jewish than me.
1: <laughs> that, is, that is very true. Uh, a magazine in Japan published an article saying Olympic gold medalist Kurt Angle is signed with WWF. But the latest that Uncle Dave has heard is that there is an effort, or there is an offer, but Angle has not accepted yet. Well, spoiler, he didn't. So this was the time when he literally told w- the WWF, I can't lose because I'm an Olympic gold medalist. You can't have me lose. And they were like, okay, well, uh, we'll keep in touch.
2: That's almost as bad as Floyd Mayweather not wanting to be in a boxing video game because he might, his character might lose. Seriously? <laughs> That's why he's on the fight night games, yeah. That's even worse! He doesn't want to be in a video game because his character could potentially lose a fight in the game.
1: <laughs> Mother <laughs> of God. That's so <laughs>
2: stupid!
1: So, I mean, not like he needs some money, but it's like, seriously, you're, you're foregoing however much in royalties because of that? Like, whatever.
3: <sighs> stupid.
1: Uh, WWF's live interactive Saturday morning show starting next week will be called Livewire.
2: I feel like we just talked about that.
1: We did. Uh, last week's episode, we talked about um, Fall Brawl 96. This is actually a follow-up. A lot of these stories are follow-ups for anybody keeping up with the show. because That's this right. Right. Okay. Yeah, this this took place two weeks, I want to say, after Fall Brawl. So, yeah. So, uh, Livewire actually, a uh, little factoid about myself, Livewire was one of the things that got me into pro wrestling weird to say now, but <laughs> it's a Saturday morning show. I was up watching cartoons, and my dad was like, here, let's watch this. And he put it on the WWF, and I was hooked. There you go. And they would always show clips and stuff like that from what happened on Raw and everything, so that helped me get into it. Uh, somebody else had staying in it. Jake Roberts has been added to the WWF booking committee, which is something that he has been pushing for months, uh Roberts will join Jim Cornette, Bruce Pritchard, Jim Ross, and Jerry Briscoe in writing and booking the shows, although at the end of the day, the final decision always comes down to Viz McMahon. You don't say
2: so, well, you know. It is his company. <laughs>
1: yeah. I just like how they state the obvious, like, uh well, yeah. Uh so you Are got... you
2: telling me this guy who owns the company and has all his money invested in it, gets the final say? That's B S. <laughs> Uh, It's
1: kind of like, I mean, it had nothing to do with booking decisions, but like Eric Bischoff was told when he got Nitro, he was told by Ted Turner, it shows Nitro, period. There was no discussion, there was no, well, what about this, what about that, let's brainstorm, nope, it's Nitro, move on. (laughs) So, there you go, and he said it had something to do with that block of time on TNT, was already, like, called Nitro.
2: Yeah, it was, it was called TNT Monday Nitro. And it was like a movie. It was a movie usually.
1: Ah, okay. Yeah, so
2: because when they, Monday Night when WCW Nitro would go off, it would say TNT Monday Nitro, almost in the exact same uh, logo as Monday Nitro logo. Ah, nice. Just no WCW, obviously. So yeah. Oh,
1: that's cool. Yeah, so he's. I know he said it had something to do with the branding with TNT. So. uh <laughs> This, you know, Bruce Pritchard always talked about that because he said if Vince had to stop to step out of the room, cause he was always obviously in the writing meetings. He said if Vince ever had to take a phone call and step out of the room, work stopped like it froze because he said uh anything, you know, if if they would come up with ideas without Vince, he would just come back in and ba- basically crinkle them up and throw them away. It's like, all right, well, enough of that bull crap. And he said so they, they called it mental masturbation. It's like no point.
2: I don't mean, maybe he's a perfectionist.
1: Yeah, I mean, for better or worse, he wants things his way, it's his company, whatever. It's, it's, uh, it's his Wally World. He can do what he wants with it.
2: Wally World?
1: <laughs> Sorry, folks, the park's closed today. The moose out front should have told you.
2: <laughs> That's uh, classic. <laughs>
1: Uh, I, I always loved the. I mean, obviously nobody liked the lockdowns, but like I, I liked when all the lockdowns were coming through and the big meme going around was, was the John Candy thing and said, "Sorry, folks, the world's closed today. The moose out front should have told you." <laughs> yeah. <all right. laughs> oh man, it's stupid but funny. Uh, bleeding in from WWF into WCW here. Uh, J, J. Dillon or James J Dillon or w- what is it that uh. Chris Jericho called him Jojo Dillon. Jojo. <laughs> uh, he resigned from WWF last week and is reportedly headed to WCW. The news of his resignation apparently caught Vince McMahon by surprise. Dillon was one of the main bookers and the main talent liaisons for the front office. There's no confirmation that he is headed to, to WCW. But it's widely assumed that he is, and he is. Uh, Dylan would and be,
2: he did, became the commissioner, and all that stuff, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, Dylan would be valuable to WCW because he has a ton of backstage knowledge about the WWF. As Uncle Dave puts it, "quote He knows where all the bodies are buried." So WCW stealing him away is a pretty big deal.
2: Well, he knows where the bodies are buried. <laughs> yeah. So, a I mean, of this is 1996, so Nitro's already going. The NWO's hot. Do they need help. Yeah,
1: right. Uh, I mean. Th- Aside from, I mean, not to put anybody in the WWF down at this point. This is '96, so who were their big main event stars? There's Undertaker, Shawn Michaels. Look Donald honestly, Bret Hart.
2: Not the Undertaker. I don't think he was a huge star like in this era. He was just the guy doing stuff. Yeah. I mean, he was always a guy the star, Don't get me wrong, but like he wasn't the guy in '96. Right. Like Shawn Michaels. They had Vader. They were trying to make him hot.
1: Yeah, uh, I don't think WCW was clamoring to get him back—not to speak of the dead, but seriously.
2: He ran with Sid for a while. Red Hart was about to come back. I mean, they yeah. were kind of her stars in '96, so it's like,
1: yeah, was really going to change, right? And Stone Cold hadn't even gotten hot yet.
2: No, I mean, '96 was the when he the famous speech happened. So yeah, he's starting. Which, you know, by the way, it's a now we conversation he, exactly a year from now, but, right? Yeah, uh, which. By the way, uh, now in the archives,
1: King of the Ring 1996. Go check it out. We did it a couple of weeks ago or months ago, excuse me.
2: It's funny. Not to sidetrack real quick. I feel I figure I feel like we have covered all of the significant moments. We did the speech uh, when he stomach man. Have we done WrestleMania 14 yet?
1: We have not done 14 or 19.
2: We need to get 14 on the books for next year.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's 14. There's 19, obviously, because that's his final uh, match ever. But yeah, I mean to, to break this down about Dylan. Apparently he quit because WWF was making uh, ca- uh cuts at this time, uh like pay cuts, and he had just bought a big home in the area and he he bought it thinking, well, I'm making X amount of dollars so I can afford this much mortgage. And I mean anybody who's been in this position would know when your pay gets severely cut that, uh, changes things as far as, you know, what kind of mortgage you can afford. And on top of that, he had a special needs kid, or has a special needs kid, that he, uh, you know, was taking care of at the time, helping sport. That's not cheap. So, he, uh, he let him know. He's like, hey, no hard feelings, but I needed that money, and WCW's willing to pay it. So I'm gonna go. And he sold his house and took off. As far as WCW, I'm sure you've heard, cause you're a frequent listener to Eric Bischoff's podcast, he talked about the thing that turned him off to J.J. J. Dillon right away. It was Dillon coming up to him going, you know, basically telling him, was like, well, I have all this knowledge on the WWF, you know, backstage whatever. And Bischoff thought that was dirty as hell.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, you don't want to go above giving away results or anything. <laughs> yeah, right. that's, that's the I, bar right there.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, he said his thing was he was like, his thinking of it was, if you're willing to do that to Vince, who never even screwed you over, you're just doing it And I'm not even asking you to. You're just doing it willingly. What are you willing to do to me if you have a chance to go back or go elsewhere? Yeah, right. So that's why that turned him off to Dylan right away. And he also, oh, man, this is hard to say, but he said he was about as valuable to the office as a house plant. (laughs) Wow. He said he was just there uh, filling out the room. I'm like,
2: holy crap,
1: that's stiff.
2: Uh, Wasn't he also there because he was Rick Flaher's friend?
1: I'm sure that played into it, but I don't know. I'm sure he knew people in the the office that could, you know, hook him up with a job. I mean, he'd been there for freaking ever. And like you said, he became the commissioner or whatever the hell he was, or president. I don't even know. He
2: might have been both at one point. I don't know.
1: (laughs) They had so many damn authority figures. But uh, somebody else who would not be leaving and uh, is actually not going the other way, but he's allegedly trying to, Mean Gene Okerlund's ECW contractors, God, ECW, as if. Mean Gene Okerlund's WCW wish. contract right, uh, expired last week, and he's reportedly gone from the company. About that. Uh, A, me- well. <laughs> yeah. A memo was sent out to WCW employees saying that he is gone, and Okerlund said his goodbyes to everyone during this week. Uh, between his contract and his cut of from, uh, or excuse me, his cut of the nine hundred line profits, Okerlund was making around four hundred twenty thousand dollars per year, and he wanted a raise.
2: Cheapskate.
1: Huh? Yeah, like, are you trying to starve me out here, man? It's four uh, twenty. A
2: guy's got to eat, man. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I got a big fat wife and a bunch of kids to feed. Sorry. But <laughs> you remember that Stane Hansen promo? <laughs> I do. Uh, the most Texas he, promo you will ever hear in your life.
1: With his mouth full of chews spitting <laughs> all over the damn place. Uh but Okraine was reported has reportedly spoken with Vince McMahon about returning to the WWF, but Vince is not interested. Word is that he was trying to use the WWF as negotiating leverage, and with with that not working out for him, it's believed that will probably resume negotiations with WWE, or WCW and likely end up returning and taking whatever lowball deal they offer him. There's also been speculation that Okerlund, uh leaving WCW is at work and that Okerlund may return as the NWO's announcer.
2: Wow, yeah. that sounds like crap they would have done. <laughs> right. Well, you got to pair him back up with Hogan, man. Come on. See, that would be the only thing that would make sense about that whole thing. Right. Well, let me tell you something, Scheme Gene. <laughs> think, they, they revealed that the 900 thing was all, uh, the 900 line was all uh, a huge, uh, what do you call it? like a uh, like a Ponzi scheme. To get yeah, right. Money. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> well, what, where do you think all that money comes from where, the, you know, where it says uh, this has been paid for by the New World Order?
2: Like, I mean, G-
1: if you call... If you call the 900 line now, you can give your money to the New World Order and get more black and white promos.
2: <laughs> okay, you got a board contract, I said, That might have been good. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. I can't imagine Mean Gene as a heel, though. Can you imagine anybody booing that man?
2: I, no, I, I said the same thing in 2006 when Linda McMahon became a heel. It was just weird.
1: Yeah, it's like, why am I booing you? <laughs> give me a reason here.
2: It didn't uh, work for, like, Dixie Carter, either. Certain people just...
1: That one, I feel like it kind of did, because some people... I mean, you know, dirt sheet That's because was dirt already...
2: sheet idiots making her out to be, like, uh, the devil, so people wanted to hate her legitimately. Yeah. Just talking about wrestling-wise, it didn't work, but...
1: It is a little weird. I don't know. And from everything I've heard, even if you believe all the stuff about her being dumb or over head or, you know, whatever the hell... uh. I I don't think anybody's ever said she's anything but a sweet woman.
2: Maybe too okay. nice. That might have been her problem.
1: Yeah, right. She didn't know how to say no.
2: So I don't think that's Tony Khan's problem.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why they got Christian for that one night only deal for uh it was Christian for for uh, Ric Flair.
2: I don't and know the world that's fair, but I mean, it was fun.
1: I know. Well, that's because uh, Bruce Pritchard said, you know, he he took it. To Dixie, he was like, "All right, we can have anybody in the WWE. I mean, obviously they're going to turn some people down, but you know, we can at least ask. Who do you want?" And she said, "Christian." And he's like, "Okay, I just said anybody." And she said, "Oh yeah, I, w- I want Christian." It's like, why?
2: Because <laughs> he was there before.
1: Yeah her her whole thing was, well, he was here before. People like him, and you know, apparently they were good friends. They, you know he he would go to her house and they would talk about their dogs and stuff. I'm like, what the? Okay. And he's like, okay, we weren't gonna get him, but you could have said John Cena. You could've said The Rock. Anybody. But you got a Christian. Like, no other choices, just him. Alright. And by the way, I'm a huge Christian mark, so this is just me saying that. Ugh man. Sean Waltman debuted on the latest WCW Nitro as the newest member of the NWO, going by the name Six. Tony Giovanni made sure to mention that Waltman used to wrestle as the One Two Three Kid in another <laughs> order of conversation, but he no longer works for them. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad he got that in and let us know.
2: If they had to. You know, they were getting too much of right. That's
1: right. Well, apparently, for those that don't know, the reason they went with Six as the name, because I thought it was kind of random. They said Sean or not Sean uh, Scott Hall came up with it because he said, uh. Well, one, two, three, kid. You had one, two, and three, and a six. So let's just call him six.
2: I still maintain it was because he was a six man.
1: That, I mean, that's a reason, too. Maybe it had dual meaning. So, I mean, kudos to them. I guess it worked. And then he said he just kept calling him six-pack because it was obviously a reference to two-pack. So, and, uh. No,
2: it was a reference to a six-pack, which he freaking drank like water. Shut up.
1: Oh, good lord.
2: I love Scott Hall, you know that. It's true.
1: Did you uh, do you remember what your reaction was when Waltman showed up?
2: Yeah, I was kind of like flat, I'm like oh, hair, one, two, three, kid. You I barely care. liked him. I barely liked it when he was a face. He turned into a heel, with Teddy the Aussies group, I had that crybaby, wow. masherization, and that was my last memory of him, honestly, until he showed up here.
1: Wow. You didn't like when he was a part of the uh, Million Dollar Corporation.
2: No, that was stupid. <laughs> I never bought him as a One Two Three Kid. Like I saw right through it.
1: Yeah, it was a little weird. Uh, last week on De- I L- love
2: Sean woman, Keep that in mind. I think he's great. I just think One Two Three Kid was stupid. I like think 1998, 99 X Pac was his best stuff.
1: Oh well, yeah. I don't know if there's any debate with that one. That you're, that's definitely right. But uh, last week on WCW Saturday Night, they did an angle where i got to preface this by saying this is an unbelievable effing story, which makes me think it's real. But they did an angle where the giant destroyed a Cadillac that was supposed to be Lex Luger's. Do you remember this? I do. Well, apparently, in reality, they rented the Cadillac and had an agreement with the rental agency about how much damage would be done to the car. The giant ended up doing way more damage than they agreed upon and the rental place refused to take the car back, wanting it paid for. WCW made the giant the scapegoat, and he ended up having to buy the car himself.
2: Yeah. Um I think Bischoff said they ended up covering the cost for it, though.
1: I sure as hell hope uh, so. I,
2: <laughs> I think <laughs> you was talking about this on there. Uh, I think I heard, I forget where I heard it. It wasn't Bischoff, obviously, because he didn't do this pay-per-view. They brought this up. It might have been during the Fall Bar 96 episode they did.
1: Yeah, probably. I was just like, I can't believe it. I, I guess I could believe it because if they told him, hey, only do this much damage, and then he like went off script and like ruined the car. I mean, I could see it. But it's like, damn. I don't know. I did hear um, him and the Giant, the god dang it, Pronouns, pal. Uh But the Giant and Hulk Hogan are apparently really good friends. And I guess I think Hulk bought him a car or a motorcycle or something like that. Maybe both. Well, Hulkster hooks up his friends, pal. I don't know why I went from Hulk to (laughs) man, but you get it. You get it.
2: That does sound made up, though.
1: Yeah, I know.
2: This one popped
1: me. It's a quick story I'd throw it in. A woman called the WCW offices last week complaining about her five-year-old, saying that he spray-painted NWO on her (laughs) one-year-old. Yes. (laughs) Oh my like, god. Another
2: story that's counts made up. <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> this is oh my gosh. Like who the hell spray painted the baby? <laughs> like she just walks in the room, "Oh my gosh." And then like the kids just like doing Hulk Hogan poses like, "What you gonna do, brother, when the new world order runs wild on your baby ass?" <laughs> oh, good oh, lord. <laughs> That's what the baby probably did after he got spray painted. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, whatever. He was just decorating his onesie. Come on. That's how I saw it. Yeah, right? Kids, hey, the kid's got a future in decorating. Okay. <sighs> Good Lord.
2: Wow. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I don't want to be, like, the Karen of this, but why are you letting your kid watch this?
1: And why does the kid have easy access to the spray paint when he's five? What? Like just like, and and on top of all this, final question: How long did you leave the five-year-old alone with the baby? <laughs> like, hot uh, damn! You know, yeah, you
2: can start breaking this down, how stupid it is. You know, if you really think about it.
1: To put this in perspective, at this time I was six, uh, or about. To, yeah, okay. This took place the day after my sixth birthday. My sister was one, so. At this time, I never would have been left alone with the baby for a long enough to find spray paint and <laughs> then <a> spray paint her. <laughs> oh, my God. God dang. Then again, my parents gave a damn about what happened to my well-being, so <laughs> there was that. <laughs> oh, God. And yeah, like you said, who, like, what five-year-old is watching this? So many questions. All right, I saved this all to the end so that I could do that. I haven't done this in a while, so i got to hit you with this week in ECW.
2: Oh, my God. Can I have another volley, sir? If
1: I may have another volley, sir. That is what I call my checks, because they bounce, bounce,
2: bounce. <coughs> <laughs> Michael Jordan has nothing on me. Good Lord. Uh,
1: se- several injuries coming out of the latest ECW show. A rookie named Kareem Horton who trains at the ECW training school, slipped off the top rope and broke his leg. Ah, uh, not a laugh, but damn. Uh Johnny Smith, yes, Johnny Smith, tore his AC joint in his shoulder. Uh, Shane Douglas collapsed backstage after injuring his back and neck somehow. What do you mean somehow? Because he's a walking injury.
2: Yeah, and, I mean, I feel like every time we saw him, he had his arm in a sling.
1: Right. Something was always wrong with this dude. Uh, Doug Furness broke his nose. Tommy Dreamer has injured ribs. Even ring announcer Bob Ortiz got cut in the face when a piece of chair broke off and hit him. God <laughs> damn. Why do I, it seems like almost every week on these retro shows, I could have a laundry list of ECW injuries I could bring you. Yep. Like, father of God. Uh, here's the start of something big, man. And, uh, well, I, I, no pun intended. ECW introduced yet another new Dudley. This one named Spike Dudley. He is a 150-pound indie wrestler named Matt Heisen from California. The gimmick seems to be that is Bubba he, uh,
2: Ray, a teacher too at this point,
1: I believe so. I'm gonna say yes. Uh, but the gimmick seems to be that Bubba Ray picks him up and throws him on people. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Another one of them Dudley boys popped up because you know Papa Dudley be slanging that Peter Meat all over Dudleyville and uh, what the uh, hell? That's that's the way Conrad put it because he he was watching an ECW show with with uh, Tony Tony Schiavone and he's like, Do you know the Dudley like uh like gimmick and he's like, no, I know. He's like, are these guys supposed to be related somehow? He said, yeah, they're all brothers. He said the gimmick is uh Papa no, Dudley. Only Devon was a brother. Mother of God. Uh, kudos to anybody who laughed at that. Uh, but he said, well, the gimmick is that, you know, Papa Dudley was slanging that Peter Meat all over Dudleyville, and, well, that's how you wound up with Dudley Boys. <laughs> like, mother of God, I've never heard that put so redneck in my life, but leave it to Conrad Thompson.
2: Peter Meat. Uh,
1: the reason Kimono Wanalea left ECW... We name! <laughs> right... Uh, was because she was unhappy with her role with Tommy Dreamer at Beulah, since Beulah is clearly treated as the top female star of the company. Kimona also said that she could make more money, quote-unquote, dancing uh, than she was being paid in ECW. Did they I, realize
2: that when they had that incident where they had have her go up there and dance?
1: I, I'm i sure they did. But I, well, I'll get into it here in a minute. Uh But, and contrary to rumors, Missy Hyatt had nothing to do with her leaving. Kimona is now currently working in AWF, the American Wrestling Federation. We talked about it last week. It's about to go in the toilet. Oh, but anyway. No. Ah, I know. Uh, you know, you had names like Sergeant Slaughter and Ortiz, Tito uh, Santana and, uh, you know, uh, Greg Valentine and Kimono Wanalea. <laughs> One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> Good grief. But anyway. I don't know, man. I 1,000% believe she can make more money stripping than she can in ECW.
2: I don't know. It sounds like it's one of the same to me. But. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, you lose your dignity either way. Just one, you're gonna be, you're gonna bleed a lot more. The other one, you just, you expel other bodily fluids at some point or another. No?
2: Wow. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't
1: know. I'm moving on. We're gonna take our next break. When we come back. We're going to dive into In Your House 10 Mind Games. Reference.
3: Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod, on Twitter at main event underscore marks, and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector.
2: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. My name is Thomas, and what's your name? Uh, I'm Alan. Alan. Oh, yeah yeah, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. We're brothers. That's right, yeah. yeah From the mother, same mother and father. Your room was. Oh, we shared the room. Shared the room. Right. We shared the room. I thought I knew your face. Yeah, we go way back, mate. Yeah. Yeah. We should do a podcast then. Uh, we have. We do we do a podcast. We do a podcast. What's it called? The Broadcast. Yeah, that was planned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well. What do we do? You spell it with a K. Slow mate. Take it easy.
3: Shopify presents cool sheets from Aha
0: to lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my Aha moment: bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From Uh aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Hi, I'm Maria.
2: And I'm Mike, and we're Team, team ready. ready.
0: Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready.
2: It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible.
0: Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather.
2: Be ready for anything. Go to BlackHillsEnergy.com TeamReady. The main
3: event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show.
1: And we are back. And we're back. Uh, and... We are going to dive headfirst into this event, which is WWF In Your House 10. We're already up to 10. Mind Games took place September 22nd, 1996, the day after your uh, co-host here turned six, as I just mentioned earlier. The venue was the core state center in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Speaking of ECW, the attendance was 13,000. Pay-per-view buy rate was .48. So all in all, not terrible. Uh, during the free-for-all, which I'll talk about in a minute, we got to see Marty F. and Giannetti versus Savio M. F. and Vega.
2: Asses in seats! Hell yes!
1: Now, what better way is there to welcome people into the arena, thanks for coming to the show, this? (laughs) (sighs) And uh, during this match, by the way, uh, on commentary... Miss McMahon says that if viewers hear some strange chants in the crowd, there's a local wrestling promotion that they're fans of.
2: <laughs> oh, oh,
1: man. Lord, some strange chants. That's nice. In the end, Janetti does a crossbody out of the corner. Vega rolls through with it, and he pins Janetti for the win. After the match, Uncle Zebikia distracts Vega, while Justin Hawk Bradshaw attacks Vega from behind with a big bull rope, choking him and whipping him. Eventually leaves, having laid Vega out.
2: I wonder what they know. would all go on to do.
1: Psh, nothing. Well, uh, you know, Uncle Zebekiah would go on to, you know, talk about people sneaking across the border.
2: Yeah, and Justin I would go on to stop them from sneaking across the border. <laughs>
1: right. Holy crap, I just thought of that. Wow. <laughs> There's an infamous segment from, uh, back when he was WWE.
2: Wait, I don't think... No, No, he wasn't champion yet. I think he was going after the WWE title against That's right. Yeah,
1: Yeah. (laughs) because he's feuding with Eddie Guerrero, and he goes down to the Texas border, and he's, like, wearing, like, a light on his head or whatever, and, like, he's, like, literally standing out in the middle of nowhere waiting for random Mexicans to cross the border, and he starts, like, kicking them in the... Literally kicking their ass, like, telling them to get back over that border. I'm like, this is so effed up on... So many levels. I don't even know where to begin.
2: It's another one of those not in 2021 20, uh, stories.
1: And shouldn't have flown back then, but it did. Either way, also, Mankind did an interview before the show to get over a heel, saying that he was glad that he no longer wrestled in bingo halls in front of unappreciative fans. Come <laughs> on, man. He's hardcore. He's hardcore. Your mother's a whore. What the hell? I just now, by the way, because so I, I didn't watch the stupid, uh, what, talking shop, mania or whatever. But every once, in a I'll see, every once in a while, I'll see clips or videos or whatever of it. Apparently, Tommy Dreamer came out, and did his pose, and he was like, "We're soft core."
2: Of course, he did.
1: Like, and you're a wrestling whore. <sighs> <laughs> As we previously mentioned. All right, anyway, now we finally get the opening video of the show, playing up Mankind versus Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker vs. Dust. Now we go into this. Opening match of the night, Justin Hawk Bradshaw with Uncle Zebikia taking on Savio Vega in a Caribbean strap match. This went for 7 minutes, 7 seconds. Uh, what's the difference between a Caribbean strap and a regular strap?
2: Uh, a Caribbean strap is... Yeah, We're going to have to edit that out, because I was going to say something really bad. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I don't Leave know what the
1: is. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, one, well, one's made I mean, in Caribbean.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Caribbean. <laughs> yeah. I guess one involves Savio Vega and the other doesn't. I don't freaking know.
1: Well, you know where you get Caribbean straps, Greg?
2: Yeah, Caribbean straps for us. Yeah, well, they have a local one down right by my house here,
1: yeah, right, yeah. It's, you get them imported from uh, Puerto Rico. Oh my god, anyway. This one <laughs> getting off some of the offensive stuff here. Uh This one starts off hot with Vega trying to jump Bradshaw, but Bradshaw shuts him down and whips the crap out of him. You can see...
2: Wow, uh, it's kind of a throwback to what we were just talking about.
1: My gosh, yeah. Except this one, it's not like there's a border that you can kick him back over. There's a freaking ocean. But anyway.
2: If there was, he would try.
1: <laughs> Mother of God. You can clear, clearly hear loud EC-dub chants during this match before we finally see the Sandman in the front row throwing beer on Vega. Uh, Paul Heyman and Tommy Dreamer were also there. They all get escorted out of the arena uh, after this while Jim Ross says, Enjoy your 15 minutes of fame! <laughs> that was funny uh I'll talk about this here in a minute, but anyway, this
2: would lead to something bigger by the way
1: yeah we'll have to we'll have to talk about that here in just a heartbeat, but these two repeat the finish of almost every damn bull rope chain or strap match as Bradshaw drags Vega around to three buckles, both men touching all three. finally, Bradshaw's pulling Vega. And he pulls so hard that Vega gets yanked forward and he touches the fourth buckle before Bradshaw can. For the win, Uncle Dave only gave it a star and a quarter. I gave it two and a half stars. I didn't think it was that bad. Let's say you.
2: I gave it two, but I think Sali Vega was kind of underrated back in his day.
1: For sure. I mean, i dump on him because, eh, I mean, it's not like he was a star, but he had good matches. I mean, that one we just, uh not too long ago... We covered, uh, now in the archives, in your house, beware of dog. Both nights, by the way. Was that also a strap match? Yeah, it was him and, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, who just became Stone Cold, and my god, pal, they're having a hell of a match. They, they, they tore the damn house down with that strap match, I'll say. Probably match of the night. Which night? <laughs> yeah, both. <laughs> I should have said yes, but you, you get it. Anyway, uh, yeah, the ECW thing was a work for anybody who didn't know. Uh, Bruce Prichard talked this
2: about... This is he... an effing shoot, bro.
1: Bro! Samman refused to follow the script, bro. But, uh, <laughs> uh, Bruce Prichard talked about he planned all this out with, uh, Paul Heyman. He, you know, and the reason this was a strap match was he said, um, I think he filmed Savio Vega in, so Vega knew not to murder anybody. And, uh, he told him he, he did not fill Bradshaw in on what was going on because he, he told Vega, he said, no matter what happens, you hold that damn Texan back by that strap as tight as you can. Don't let him do anything. Because he knew that Bradshaw would have hauled off on him if he if he could have.
2: And we know he, shoot, doesn't like ECW. He's already said it multiple times.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you saw what he did to frickin' Blue Meany.
2: Yeah,
1: damn. And this was... uh apparently nobody else knew about it. And as Gerald Briscoe was one of the agents who went out to ringside to clear clear them out, escort them out of the, the building. And I guess things were getting a little out of hand, and Pritchard grabbed um, uh, Briscoe on the way out, and he was like, tell him I said cupcake or whatever the hell. They had like a safe word where it's like if things were getting too out of hand, get the hell out of there. And he said once he pulled... Uh,
2: Usually the safe he... word is pumpernickel. <laughs> right.
0: But first, I should tell you my safe
2: word is cabbage. Why? Uh, Anyway. You're much happier not knowing.
1: Right. But I guess after he told Briscoe that, Briscoe, like, gave him a dirty look, and he's like, Ah, you're working me. Okay. And he said Briscoe didn't talk to him for, like, the longest time after that, because he doesn't like being worked. (sighs) Anyway. Uh, Well, you know, Greg, if he wanted to stretch you, you'd be stretched.
2: Stretch this? Or
1: was it Hooky? If you if you wanted to hook you, you'd be Hooked. One of them. Uh, no, it's uh, Stu Hart that does the stretching.
2: But we got a play up package. What do you think it sounded like when he stretched a uh, handful?
1: Hey Rhino, but uh, give me your arm and show you a couple of holes down the basement. You do it real good, Rhino. <laughs> I would love to see him talking about like him him talking about Jim Neidhart. To rhino. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> he's like, the rhino's doing real good. He's like, oh yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks, Stu. He's like, no, no, I mean the rhino. He's like, yeah, yeah. The, 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 I, the I'm, real I'm, rhino. Yeah, he's like, no, no, uh, the, yeah, what I mean is the, the rhino's doing good. Yeah, you just said that. Uh, th- thanks. Good lord. We've done a bit like that with Stu in the past. <laughs> I feel like. But anyway, up next we get a play up package for Jim Cornette versus Jose Lothario. No, that statement left my mouth. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where Cornette keeps making jokes this about...
2: This is uh, supposed to be... I think I heard Bruce Prichard say it was supposed to be a free-for-all match. And it's like, why would we give that away for free, pal?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Good lord. Allegedly, <laughs> the, the...
2: Well, allegedly, the,
1: the originally planned main event for this was Vader and Cornette versus Sean and Jose.
2: And then and... the rest of God stepped in and saved us.
1: Yeah, they were like, well, we need at least one good match on the show. Like, calm down. <laughs> but anyway, Uh Cornette keeps making jokes about Lothario's age, and Jose was training in the gym and in the ring for his comeback match. And my, what a comeback it was.
2: Oh, uh, man. Uh, I think we're talking about favorite <laughs> matches of the night here, right?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, well, early contender for match of the year, but...
2: Oh, uh, uh, no, I think it's pretty late, contender.
1: Uh, yeah, that's, that's true. You got me there. But during Jim Cornette's entrance, we see footage backstage of fake Diesel and Razor, uh, but we only see him from the back, and they're beating the hell out of Savio Vega, and then they run away before we can see their faces.
2: Because, you know, well, those two idiots needed more heat.
1: <laughs> yep. Keep in mind, by the way, as I mentioned, they have not debuted yet, so they're, they're acting like this still may be Nash and Hall.
2: Ugh. I find it funny they're doing this and WCW's doing a fake Sting thing at the very same time. I know. I'm pressed to figure out which one did it first. One of them obviously did it first, but it's in the exact same month that's happening, so... I don't know if one really ripped off the other. I don't know. Well, at least
1: WCW's, do- well, at least WCW's doing it with their own guy. Like, WWF is uh, like... Hey. Hold
2: on, now. These are their own guys. It's just not their own physical guys.
1: Yeah, Right. Well, uh, you know, I can't wait to see, uh, you know, uh Damian Priest be played by, you know, just some other tall, vaguely Hispanic <laughs> dude with long hair. You know, he'll step in in a couple weeks here.
2: Go get, go get Archer a tan. There you go.
1: Mother of God. Uh, but the first thing I thought of when I saw Jim Cornette was the, the line from Hook. However, did you manage to fit in those smashing tights again? <laughs> uh, a lot of butter. Anyway, this is Jim Cornette versus Jose Lothario in 56 seconds. Thank Real God it's only that.
2: Real match, folks.
1: Yep. Uh, I believe Jim Cornette said that he needed knee surgery really bad at this time, but he didn't want to miss out on a pay-per-view bonus check. I'm not joking. So he tied up his knee brace to the point of where it was almost cutting off the blood circulation and he toughed it out. Uh, I mean, he literally had to walk to the ring and take a couple of bumps. Like,
2: you Bam. know what? It's funny. I think I remember him on commentary after this for a little bit.
1: Yeah, it makes sense. Well, and, well, we'll get to more on that in a bit, but uh, before the match, Cornette grabs a mic and says that Jose is a legend, but he's old, and he'll give Jose the opportunity to give up and stay backstage. Jose then comes out, beats up Cornet, and then pins him after a right hand. Uncle David No, uh,
2: that was a super stock. Man, you don't know anything.
1: Oh, well, Gosh, I I thought that was his name. It was, because he did a hard punch. For God's sake. (sighs) I guess it makes sense. But Uncle Dave gave this negative star. Uh, I gave it a dud, because what the F was this? I tried to be kind by giving it a dud. Let's say you.
2: This was another one I just didn't even rate. I didn't... It's like, yeah, it's not even really a match. Yeah. The only good thing I can say is, thank God they kept it under a minute. Thank you, that's... It's hard to talk crap about it if it only took up one minute of my life. Okay. There was. Now, I haven't watched it back, by the way, two minutes of my life, but.
1: (laughs) Right. There was something to be said for, I guess, Cornette did say he didn't want to miss out on pay per view bonus check, and then I think on top of that, uh, he wanted to be in, say he was in the ring with Jose Lothario. Which, I mean, if you grew up watching him, you know, I get that. I'd be like, you know, if. That's. if I was a manager and they wanted to put me in the ring, they're like, oh, you're going to have like a, you know, a fight with, I don't know, freaking, you know, Hulk Hogan's going to go out there and give you a, a big boot and pin you. Like, okay. <laughs>
2: um, That reminds me, do you remember when Jake the Snake came back for that Legends Raw? Like when we first saw him for uh, the first time in years, he looked amazing.
1: Yeah, is just, that the one where the snake pissed on Ambrose?
2: Yeah, well, if you go back <laughs> and watch it, dude, Ambrose is like smiling his ass off the entire time, dude. Yeah, so, he starts. Uh, this is nothing new.
1: <laughs> yeah, he starts smirking as soon as. Like, he, he must have felt it, because, like, the first time I saw him crack a smile was when the snake pisses on him. Yeah. <laughs> he was probably like, holy crap.
2: It was probably like an honor to that fool. <laughs> <laughs> right. Have seen him do worse? I just, like, you know, I mean, some people, some things just matter a little bit more than. I don't care if you made it look like a fool.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, speaking of which, by the way, as of the posting of the show. I will have gone to my first AEW event, so I will have seen, well, I, I don't know what was on the card, but since it's in Cincinnati and he's on all the promotional material, I'm going to assume that John Moxley was on the card and I sang Wild Thing at the top of my lungs.
2: Someone in the uh, major pod group said that him and or the, what are they, the Switchblades are getting back together. Oh,
1: him and Callahan.
2: Well, maybe there's a chance that they'll both be on there. It is possible. I doubt it, but... Ooh.
1: I seen something in the indies about that. They were doing yeah, like the indie show getting together. Yeah, they're going
2: to wrestle the American Wolves. So.
1: Oh hell, <laughs> man! Also,
2: I, reuniting. So, yeah.
1: I want to see. In what promotion?
2: I think it's some indie promotion. Might not even be on TV, or I mean on um Fight TV. I, I'll look it up and get you to it later.
1: Uh, but getting back to uh, 1996 here. Doc Hendricks is backstage, and this is a I think it's a Coliseum home video exclusive, by the way, not on the actual like regular version. But Doc Hendricks is backstage asking Savio Vega how he feels after being jumped by Razor and Diesel. Vega says that he doesn't know who jumped him, after literally just being told who jumped him. And, <laughs> Hendricks, are, and Hendricks is pretending that this is the same Razor by saying, he, is, he was one of your best friends as a child. Vega goes with it like this is still Scott Hall. So, I don't know. They're really playing this up, man.
2: Which, whatever. Uh, you know, as long but as it works, the, the problem is it didn't. Anyway. No, I think
1: it's one of them, like, uh, when when Rick Wagner and, and uh, uh, Glenn Jacobs walked out for the first time, I think you could hear a collective, like, long, wet fart through the arena. <laughs> wow. <laughs> anyway, uh, Brian Pillman comes out to the ring next as we get a clip from Bret Hart saying that Brian Pillman and Owen Hart are liars because he never once said he'd be in Philadelphia for this pay-per-view. Brian Pillman gets on the microphone now, no longer on crutches, might I add, saying that the Founding Fathers are rolling over in their graves because the birthplace of freedom has become a cesspool of drug abuse, battered women, and welfare recipients.
2: Yeah, I, I was, I heard that, and I'm like, show of hands, who's going to argue with the man?
1: Holy crap. I will say this, uh, I've always wanted to see Philadelphia, but I'm a little afraid to go. I've heard, like, if you have the wrong, like, bumper sticker on your car, you're gonna get vandalized.
2: These people pelted Santa with snowballs. I know, man, broke McFoley's heart. No
1: wonder he doesn't want to be associated with the city anymore.
2: They also wanted to cane his kid.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what the hell?
2: You've never seen that? That Famous sign from ECW that said Kane Dewey.
1: Oh, my gosh.
2: What yeah. the hell? Yeah. Yikes. That's a, that's a shoot, folks.
1: Yep. There's a lot of horrible stories about the city. And I'll say this. There is zero rivalry between any Philadelphia sports team and any Cleveland sports team. However,
2: Yeah, every... I'm sure the Flyers and the uh, the Jackets get along just fine.
1: Okay. Well, I I don't know about hockey. Is that a... Is that a... Uh, promoted divisional rivalry.
2: Yeah, they don't get along
1: very well. No, okay. So. okay, I figured. By the way, you were saying that. Okay, so besides hockey, I'm gonna go with football and baseball. I don't think it's a big deal. Uh, I know it's not football. However, every time the damn Eagles come to town, there is a huge fight that breaks out at the Brown Stadium. Every time. I am fights. shocked.
2: Yep. I can't believe what I'm hearing right now.
1: That's not even a thing when the Steelers come to town. That only happens once in a while. That's because
2: it's so much money to go to Steeler games that a lot of their fans just go to the freaking Browns game. Yeah. It's kind of like when yeah. one of your fans go to games in Sacramento. It's cheaper.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, this is... uh it, It's not easy to, uh you know, for the, the other guys, I should say, to get uh tickets at, at a Browns game, but this is... I don't know, man. Every time... And and I heard the same thing like there are fights when the Phillies come to town to take on the the Indians too and I'm like what the hell it's just yeah it's like when we roll into town so we're gonna get drunk and we will beat somebody up I'm like
2: right, always well. pounding ass
1: <laughs> yeah, well, hey Philadelphia is all about APA man always pounding ass <laughs> like, well
2: thank
1: for warning a little, me a little
2: hardcore white with that but okay hell yeah.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> but anyway, uh Pillman continues to trash on the crowd like we just did before bringing Owen Hart to the ring. Brian tells Owen that he thought that he patched things up with his older brother, Brett. And Owen says that Brett's getting old and senile, and he forgot that he guaranteed he'd be here tonight. Owen says that Brett's scared, but he's not scared of Pillman. He's not scared of him. He's afraid of stone-cold Steve Austin. Austin comes out to the ring, still using his ringmaster theme, and but he's full Stone Cold at this point. Uh, and he says that Brett is a coward, and he said he's not a chicken, he's the slimy substance that trickles out the south end of a chicken.
2: I like how he'll right. swear on TV, but man, you know, keep it clean for pay-per-view.
1: <laughs> I know, you know, that that's uh mighty respectable of uh, old Stone Cold there. But, you know, he makes one too many crap references here, because I could have done without that one. This one, I did pop for. He said, if you put an S in front of Hitman, that's exactly what he thinks of Bret Hart. <laughs> cool. But he then promises to whoop Bret Hart's ass if he decides to ever come back to the WWF. And isn't that, uh, they face off at Survivor Series, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay, now in the archives.
2: Now in the archives.
1: Yeah, Survivor Series 1996, back to attack. Check it out, y'all. We now get
2: clips... Because of Back in Black was taken, right?
1: <laughs> right. Uh, back in Pink and Black. We now get clips of Mark Henry going around Philadelphia and taking in the sights. And uh he looks like Ricky Bobby where he doesn't know what to do with his hands right now. I don't know. This is just like awkward clips. It's like, here's Mark Henry standing in this location. Now look at Mark Henry looking at his bell. Now look at
2: Mark Henry over here. He Thanks. can stand like nobody's business.
1: I know. You remember that time he stood next to the Liberty Bell with his hands on his hips? That was a good time.
2: <laughs> uh But backstage, Doc Hendricks. The Hendrix- Walker episode's got to be coming, right?
1: Oh, well, yeah, we got to do a career retrospective on him. But backstage, Doc Hendricks is standing by to show us that Jim Cornette cannot accompany his team to the ring tonight because he's laid up in the medical room completely out of it. Clarence Mason is yelling something about, uh, something to him, and he's pointing at a contract, and he gets Jim Cornette to sign the contract. And, uh, well, that's gonna come into play later. But up next is our first title match of the night. It's the Smoking Guns. Billy and Bart Gunn defending their WWF tag team titles. They got Sonny in their corner, by the way. They're taking on the British Bulldog and Owen Hart. When... So, they're doing this gimmick where the guns and Sonny get in the ring, and, like, the concussion pyro goes off, and a giant poster of Sonny unravels from the rafters. Well, this time, when it unravels, it's been graffiti. Sonny, it's signed by her, she said, To Bulldog and Owen, all my love, Sonny. But the picture itself of her, her hair's black, and she's been given a beard and fake glasses. So. She's pissed. I did like, uh, Mr. Perfect says, I know it was Owen. Oh yeah, it was Owen. Davy wasn't <laughs> even there. I like how he threw in the, the thing at the end. And at the time, you, would, you wouldn't have thought anything of it. But that last night where he's like, "Davy wasn't even there. Like, if anybody listens to Bruce Pritchard or Jim Cornette, they get it. Because apparently that was, that was Davey's uh, catchphrase. Whenever somebody was, like, got ribbed. And they're like Davy, and he's like, "What? It was Owen. I wasn't even there." <laughs> I guess that was just his go-to. Uh, Cornette said his other go-to was every week they would call him in for promos, and they're like, and they'd have to search for him. They're like, "Davy," and he's like, "What? What do you want?" And He's like, "Promos." He's like, "No!" Like he was shocked. He's like, "Every effing week."
2: Ugh, Sorry, I gotta God. ask you. You doing a British accent there? A slight one. No, you weren't. A slight one.
1: Anyway, uh Claire's Mason eventually comes down to the ring to manage uh, Bulldog and Owen for this one. This is, I guess, heels versus heels in this one.
2: Yeah, I didn't get uh, it even when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, I'm like, so who's a bad guy? Who am I supposed to cheer for here? But in the end, Billy's distracted on the apron by Sonny. So, you know, Sonny's distracting your own guys. That's, you know, that's smart. But Bart gets shoved into Billy. Billy shoves Bart back like, you know, Bart meant to do it, clearly. Uh, and then Bulldog hits the running power slam on Bart to win the titles. Uncle Dave gives this two and a quarter stars. I gave it two and a half stars. It was average. What say you?
2: I gave it one. This thing sucked. <laughs> wow. Uh,
1: well, Uncle Dave and I, uh, I guess, gave it a little bit more credit than you did. But yeah. Uh, after the match, Sunny throws a bit. She grabs a mic, and she says that she gave her time. And her money to the smoking guns, and they're nothing but no good cowboy wannabes, and they're fired, fired, fired. You can't fire
2: me, I'm already fired. I feel like it's become a meme.
1: You're right. Uh, but then Billy begs her, and he follows her to the back. Oh man, I, you lost Sonny, man. What are you gonna do?
2: I don't know. End your life. Yeah,
1: right. End your tag team, man. He's gonna, he's gonna go off and be Rockabilly now.
2: Hell yes,
1: damn straight. Where the beginning of his his theme song sounds like he just sat on a cold toilet seat. <laughs> Kevin Kelly is in a dark uh, area of the building. I'm assuming the boiler room with Paul Bear and Mankind. do you assume that? I don't know. Uh, just you know, stabs in the dark. But um, anyway, uh, Mankind is rocking back and forth with the Undertaker's urn. Bear blames the Undertaker for what Mankind is going to do to Shawn Michaels tonight. Mankind says that it's his destiny to hold and cuddle the WWF world title. He said he was going to cuddle the damn thing, right? You or by hearing things. Oh, All okay. right. I just want to make sure I heard that right.
2: Uh hey, 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 to each his own, okay? Yeah, I mean,
1: whatever. You know, some people like to get their rocks off by cuddling the winged eagle. Whatever.
2: Uh, I like the non-winged eagle myself.
1: <laughs> well, exactly. The biggie. So is he going to ask his wife if, you know, use the old Hulk Hogan, uh, Hey, you want to come back to my hotel room, get naked, and wear my title belt? (laughs) Well, cuddle. Uh, But then he said he's going to make Shawn Michaels and his clique feel the same pain that he's felt his whole life. Ah, gonorrhea. Anyway.
2: Uh. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, Moving
1: on quickly. All right. As Jerry Lawler walks to the ring for the next match, he's trash-talking the city of Philadelphia and Mark Henry. You can't understand a damn word he's saying because commentary's talking over him. Probably the best. Uh, but we see clips of Lawler throwing coffee on Henry at one point and then running away. On another occasion, I think this was on the free-for-all, he slapped Mark Henry and then ran away. Uh, once Henry gets into the ring, Lawler said that he's going to give Mark a wrestling lesson that he'll, that, uh, and that he's forgotten more about wrestling than Mark will ever learn. I think it worked out alright for good old Mark Henry. But this next match, Jerry the King Lawler is taking on the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, in about 5 minutes, 13 seconds. Uh, Mark Henry uses a ton of power moves on Lawler throughout this match, bumping her all around the ring. You could tell that Mark was super green and Jerry was trying to give him all that he could. Henry eventually makes Lawler submit to a Canadian backbreaker as opposed to a non-Canadian backbreaker. Uh, Uncle Dave gave this a dud they gave it a star, let will see you.
2: They gave it one, this thing sucked.
1: Yeah, it wasn't good. They were trying to make Mark Henry the All-American Olympian, world's strongest man, and yeah, it didn't exactly work out for him. But after the match, Mark Henry is jumped from behind by the new rockers of Marty Kennedy and Leaf and Cassidy, and...
2: Find <laughs> of funny, by the way, that they had to have Al Snow debut in e- now, in Philly.
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. And and uh and then, on top of that, he wasn't just jumped by the New Rockers, you know, for reasons. He was also jumped by Hunter Hurst Helmsley in a good old-fashioned game of which one of these is not like the other.
2: <laughs> We've now played that twice in this episode. <laughs> right. Uh,
1: But Mark Henry takes the New Rockers out, and then he press slams Henry on top of them outside of the ring. Did this go
2: anywhere that you can remember? Not that I remember. Maybe like a match on Raw or something by Survivor oh, yeah. Series, which is well, two months away. I remember Mark Henry being on TV for quite a while.
1: Yeah, the next time, because I know he goes away for a while. By the time he comes back, he's part of uh, the Nation of Domination, right?
2: Yeah, he turns on Ken Shamrock to join them.
1: Ah, okay. Well, up next, Doc Hendricks is interviewing Owen Hart, British Bulldog, and Clarence Mason backstage. Owen and Bulldog say that they're not shocked that they won tonight uh, and that they're going to take on all comers for the tag titles. Owen says that he's confused about Jim Cornette not being there tonight, but that they were thankful for Clarence Mason. Mason explains that the papers he had Cornette sign were actually the contracts for Owen and Bulldog. So now, Clarence Mason is their sole exclusive manager. Uh, What did you think of this?
2: I thought it was stupid. Yeah. It was like a, a heel deceiving another heel or two heels.
1: Uh, that's. That's a way I didn't think about it before, but you're right. My thing with it was. Like, did cornet. I'm I'm gonna assume this is because Cornette's knees were effed up and he had to go have surgery, and they needed a reason to get him off TV. And yeah. then, and then when he came back, he could, like you said, he did commentary, so he was sitting behind a desk.
2: He was with Vader for a little while longer, I think. That was it?
1: Yeah. So I. I don't know. I just. Uh, and Clarence Mason wasn't a strong manager, so I don't know. Whatever.
2: Oh, he was a good lawyer though.
1: Yeah, right. Hey, he was a legit lawyer for anybody out there that didn't know. But up next we get Gold. He was dust. a shoot lawyer. That? Oh uh, well, yeah, that's true. He was, he was a shooting lawyer, not just a working lawyer. I mean, let's be honest, all lawyers are working lawyers.
2: How uh, they working, all right.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Do we cheat him, and how? <laughs> But uh, the next match is Gold Dust with Marlena in his corner, taking on The Undertaker in a final curtain match. This went just shy of ten and a half minutes. I must say, first of all, Marlena, how roll-tied was she looking this night?
2: <laughs> As you ever say, what was she not wearing?
1: <laughs> yeah, right. She, I mean, man, she was all the way live for this one. Uh Apparently, by the way, a final curtain match is just an ODQ match, so there's that. Uh, there's no nonsense to start this one as The Undertaker gets right into the ring and decks Gold Dust. Marlena distracts the referee long enough for Gold Dust to throw hands full of gold glitter into The Undertaker's eyes and get the advantage. You heard that right. In the end, Undertaker chokes Liam's Gold Dust off the top rope, picks him up, and hits Tombstone Piledriver for the pinfall win. Uncle Dave only gave it a star and a half. I gave it two stars. Around average. What say you?
2: I barely gave it two. But man, this match was terrible. Yeah, I don't get it. There's some stuff in there I start paying attention to.
1: And you and I like their casket match from Beware of Dog. This just...
2: I mean, you think a Final curtain match is a step up.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah, this one is just like, I don't know, man. It just, it wasn't it for me, man. It didn't, uh, didn't do it for me. But backstage, what did do it for me, this effing promo. Kevin Kelly standing by with Shawn Michaels in his locker room. Sean puts over how crazy mankind is, but he's lucky that there isn't a lot going on between his ears, so he's honestly not that nervous, because how could he play mind games with somebody who doesn't have a mind, or you know, whatever the F he says. And he says that he doesn't have a strategy tonight, so he's going to learn on the job. Mother you know, of
2: God. There's there tapes of watch, you know. Yeah, right.
1: My thing is, so, has he been taking promo classes with Sid
2: well, he's one of his buddies, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I did. Like this whole promo was him basically saying, "Hey, listen, mankind, I'm an idiot. I'll see you out there."
2: And I got news for you. I was one of his go-to's.
1: Yeah. <laughs> hey, I got half the brain that you do. <laughs> well, <What? Wow. laughs> When did Sid say that? I, I I know he said that at one point.
2: He's uh, on Nitro when when we against Nash. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, you know, I got half the brains that you do. Like, what the
2: frick? Well, thanks for admitting here. I'm to going to argue that.
1: <laughs> right. Oh, God. But, all right, we're going to take our second to last break. When we come back, it's main event time right after this.
3: Follow the main event marks at facebook.com forward slash main event marks pod on Twitter at main event underscore marks and on Instagram at main event underscore marks and at main event collector.
1: Fanatics offers the world's
3: largest collection of official sports apparel and gear from all the leagues, teams, and players that you love, including the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, NCAA,
1: NASCAR, soccer, and golf. They even offer esports gear for the gamers among us. You can
3: shop by brand, sport, team, or player. And if you sign up for fan cash, you get exclusive weekly deals. So head on over to Fanatics.com today. Fanatics is a sponsor of the main event
0: marks and unhinged sports network.
3: are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show.
1: And we are back. And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. The main event. And we are live. Sort of. Uh, When Mankind's theme hits, Paul Bear walks out with the urn. We see druids wheeling a casket to the ring. Which leads me to ask the question, so, are the Druids a package deal with Bearer, or the Urn, or both?
2: I'm going to say the Urn. Or,
1: another option, did he just like to shop at Druids R Us, and they were, you know, like hitmen? You
2: know, oh, uh, no, they don't high. get those from Druids R Us, they get those from that, uh, that animal that spirit store. Or that Halloween oh, Spirit, spirit.
1: Halloween, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, I mean, that's that's true. Uh, you get them from Druids R Us? No, we got the outfits from Spirit Halloween. We just threw them on from random <laughs> indie workers. And if there's one thing Philadelphia had a lot of, it's independent wrestlers.
2: A local indie one was in, in uh, tennis.
1: <laughs> right. But out of the casket pops Mankind. Then, uh as soon as Shawn Michaels' team hits, by the way, the roof explodes in the arena, and the babies hit, well, what would have been the roof after it got blown off? He threw the babies in the air. I That was one thing. Apparently that was a, a fear was that he was going to get booed in Philly. Well, didn't happen. He got the biggest pop of the damn
2: night. If it happened, it would only be because of who he was facing.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, and the fact that they're in Philly, and Philly's just half weird, dude, as we've already established. Uh, But this one is Shawn Michaels with Jose Lothario. He's defending his WWF World's title against Mankind. Paul Bearer in his corner. This one went about 26 and a half minutes. This one's all action from the opening bell. The casket's used, a table's jumped over, steel steps are used a lot, a chair's used, Mankind even gets his neck hung up in the ropes. Michael's works Mankind's left leg a lot, and when Mankind gets momentum back, he repeatedly jabs a spike into his own knee to gain feeling back. That's become a pretty famous
2: clip. It looked like a a, a filed-down toothbrush that you see in prison.
1: Yeah, he... Uh, how much you want to bet he got that shiv from New Jack?
2: <laughs> or at least the instructions how to make it. One of the two.
1: Yeah, he, it's it's either him or Scorpio, man. Uh, t- uh, too cold, Scorpio. And the only reason I say that is because he literally talked about making a shiv on Dark Side of the Ring.
2: <laughs> yeah. said was he, he going to stab Hawk with it?
1: Yeah, he said he, he took these metal chopsticks and was making a shiv because he was going to stab Road Warrior Hawk. Yikes, man. In North effing Korea best place to want to shiv somebody.
2: Had that happened, he'd be an afterthought as well. Yeah, everybody would be like, what the hell happened to
1: Two Cold Scorpio? I think he murdered somebody. Like, yeah, and he got sent to the Gulag. Wow. Anyway, it's North Korea. Y- you know what's going to happen. But anyway, uh, you'd figure that these two would have a styles clash, but hot damn, they work great together. Mankind tried to stuff Michaels into a casket at one point. He even back suplex Michaels off of the top to the outside, but Michaels turns around and lands on Mankind as they go through the Spanish announce table. Uh, Mankind climbs the ropes with a chair, and Michaels runs and leaps off of another chair that's set up in the middle of the ring, and he hits a flying sweet chin music into the chair that Mankind is holding, Van Daminator style.
2: Did you catch Jim Ross, like, lose his crap over that?
1: Oh, no, I... <laughs> I knew I knew he went uh like he thought it was cool. But yeah, I was just like I remember that spot the first time I watched it. I was like, holy crap! Like I didn't see it coming. So it was just like that made it cooler. But uh anyway, he kicks that into Mankind's face. Uh and then when Michaels goes for the pin, Vader runs in to attack HBK for the DQ. Uh Uncle Dave says that the week finish is the only thing that kept this from being the match of the year. The fact that Mick Foley, uh, this is what I said, this is my note, said, the uh, the fact that Mick Foley came right into this company and was paired with The Undertaker and then Shawn Michaels back to back leads me to believe that Vince quickly gained confidence in him, uh, who he actually, apparently he never wanted to sign Mick Foley. And according to Jim Ross, his quote to Jim Ross was that he was gonna let him, he was gonna let Ross sign Foley. Because he said, I want you to know how it feels to have your heart broken by a talent. Shattered. Yeah, right. So uh, apparently he had zero confidence in Mick Foley. And then I'm going to say he quickly turned around on that because Undertaker is Shawn Michaels, man. Right away. He's only been in the company for a few months. But Uncle Dave gave this four and three quarter stars. I gave it an even four. What say you?
2: I gave it an even four as well. Forgot how much I love this match.
1: Oh, yeah. This was, like I said, a forgotten classic by a lot of people. Damn good match. I didn't like the screwy finish. I would rather he pinned uh, Mankind and then get into it Vader if that needed to happen. But whatever.
2: What's yeah. funny is the next pay-per-view after this, Michael's wouldn't even wrestle on it. It's like, what was the point of this? And to my right. knowledge, if I'm thinking about it right now, I don't think he wrestled Vader ever again.
1: Nope. Uh, apparently he claimed he, he got tired of, uh, well, first of all, Vader got blown up in their SummerSlam match, which apparently pissed a lot of people off. And then Michael's complained that I can't work with him because one, he's out of shape and gets blown up all the time. And the second point is apparently he got pretty heavy-handed with Sean because he likes to lay his crap in, pal. Oh, bitch. <laughs> and, uh, Sean said, uh, he, he didn't like being manhandled like that, so. Whatever. So I'm going to assume, uh, by him saying that and us knowing what happened after this, I'm going to assume Psycho Sid's stuff looked cool but couldn't break an egg. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, Psycho Sid comes out next to attack Vader after the match, fighting with him to the back. Paul Bearer hits Shawn Michaels in the back with the urn, and then Mankind locks in the Mandible Claw. The casket gets opened up again, and the Undertaker's inside. Now, how did that happen? Uh, He knocks Mankind out of the ring and chases Mankind and Paul Bearer to the back. On a Coliseum Home Video exclusive, Paul Bearer is trying to reassure Mankind in the boiler room that he would have been the world champion if not for Vader, and it's because they have the power of the urn. And that's the end of the show. So, let's take uh, our final break. When we come back, we're going to get in the final ratings of the show and tell you what's to come in the upcoming weeks. We'll be right back.
3: Follow the Main Event Marks at Facebook.com forward slash Main Event Marks pod on Twitter at Main Event underscore Marks and on Instagram at Main Event underscore Marks and at Main Event Collector.
0: Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You could get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. necessary. Void (inaudible) where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: The main event marks are available wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. Now back to the show.
1: And we're back. And we're back. It's final ratings time. Internet Movie Database gave this 6.6 6 out of 10. CageMatch.net gave it 6.15 out of 10. I gave it 6.5 out of 10. I thought it was a D. I'll say you.
2: I gave it a C minus. the main event gave it a little bump for me.
1: I think the main event was... I'm mean, not saying that everything on the show was unwatchable. That's not it. But I feel like the show was really weak, and the only thing that really pulled it up for me was that main event. Otherwise, I would have given this show an F, because it's just like, I don't know, kind of a slog through most of it. And even Undertaker Gold Dust, which I thought was going to be good, really disappointed me. So I don't know. It is what it is. But if anybody wants to hear the follow-up to this, by the way, uh we have covered WWF Buried Alive in your house. That is now in the archives. We covered that last October, so go check that out. But coming up, man, on the podcast in the coming weeks, next week, September 15th, we have WCW Fall Brawl, 1999. I watched it last night for the first time ever, and I said to myself, why the hell did I book this effing show? (laughs)
2: Yeah, I had no saying that I want to say. Well, I mean, maybe I did, but I just went along with it.
1: Yeah, you're. I know you're like, whatever, you booked it, I'll go with it. But yeah, no, this show, trust me, there's plenty of stuff to talk about. But I think you can, like I had texted you while I was watching this. You can almost physically see the hand, like, flushing the toilet with WCW inside at this, like, on the show. There wasn't anything egregiously like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe they're so stupid to do that. Like you know, like in previous shows that we've covered. It's just I don't know, there's a lot on the show that it's like, oh my gosh. Like, look at the state of this damn company. And then there's a follow up story that I have to the to that pay per view that's just like, Yep, they're going down. But alright, anyway, that's next week. The week after is b b b boundest Show Week. We've got on September 22nd, we're bringing you WWE Unforgiven 2001, or I guess WWF Unforgiven 2001. Uh, It's the 20-year anniversary for that one.
2: Is there anything you remember
1: about that show off the top of your
2: head? Um, Lots. 30s. I want to save it. but
1: <laughs> Okay. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, this show, it's still the invasions going on. Uh, we've got, didn't it end after Survivor Series?
2: It That's after Survivor Series.
1: Okay, so we got two more months of this thing, we're chugging through in the, uh, invasion. Austin's full on psychopath at this time. I mean, the tagline is, the greatest battles are fought from within, and the, the poster is like, three, look like he he's like shouting from inside of his own head. So, obviously a heavy show for Austin. Uh, and then, but, that's, that's gonna be a good show, I think. The bonus show, that's gonna be an entertaining show, because it's our second timepiece ever, man. It's gonna be on the time that Vince Russo ran WCW.
2: Into the ground.
1: Yes, into the ground. This is his first run before he takes his, before he first takes his ball and goes home. So technically, we don't see him. We hear him, but we don't really see him. Right during that first run, um, because he's the just the powers that be.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's right. I don't think we see him until the reboot episode Nitro.
1: Yeah, so that's yikes down the line. Uh, but I didn't plan it. I guess I should have thought about it. But we're we're talking about Fall Brawl 1999. The Vince Russo thing is actually a good follow up to it because he takes over in what October.
2: I want to say right after Halloween Havoc.
1: Okay. So it's around this time. So it's very, uh, very pertinent to there. But it's going to be our second timepiece ever. Vince Russo runs WCW into the ground. And then we're wrapping up the month, September 29th. We're bringing you a show I've been waiting to watch for a long time. Yet again, it's TNA Unbreakable 2005.
2: I still think one of the greatest, if not the greatest wrestling match of all time.
1: I don't think it's debatable that it's the greatest triple threat of all time. Um, as far as wrestling match, it's in that, uh, it's in that discussion, like you just mentioned. But yeah, as far as triple threats go, I I don't even know if it's debatable. It's AJ Styles. It's Samoa Joe.
2: That's enough right there.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) And all three of those guys tear the effing house down. One of the greatest shows of all time, or matches of all time. The show itself is fine. Uh, the main event is two ECW guys.
2: I want to say this is the last show before they got back on TV.
1: Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, because I was... I, were they doing the the shows on the internet at this time?
2: Impact, yes.
1: Uh, okay. Yep, I remember having to go to my computer once a week to watch Impact after they left FSN. So this... Um, the main event is two ECW guys. Raven and Rhino for the NWA title. That's kind of funny. Uh, but, yeah, and it took...
2: Well, I think the Triple Threat's the main event.
1: Mm, I believe... Let me see. Double-check. You... That is correct. <laughs> so, you're right. But on the poster, it's Raven and Rhino. for the, It's a Raven's Rules match, or a Clockwork Orange House Fun match, whichever you want to call it.
2: I believe so, to this day, this is his last world title defense, because he loses it quickly after this.
1: Yeah. Don't remind me, but... There's a Fatal 4-way, elimin- uh, Fatal 4-Way Elimination match for the NWA Tag Titles. Lots of cool stuff on the show. Abyss and Sabu in an ODQ match. So, there you go. Lots of tag team action on the show as well. Uh An unfortunate date for the show. It took place on September 11th, 2005,
2: but... Uh, mm. You know, I used to say that, but then I'm like, dude, things are going to happen on September 11th every year, okay? Just, yeah. You know, I hate saying and, that, but...
1: Hey, maybe you can put on a good show to, uh, you know, yeah, take right. the taste of crap out of your mouth from, you know, everything. But uh can he, I? don't know why. I'm, I'm trying to
2: figure out. If, like Grandma and Grandpa are always like, "Oh, December seventh, we ate that day because it was Pearl Harbor." Dude, stuff happens on December seventh. You will know, just
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, well, you know, we'll talk about like I said, um. Uh, Unbreakable is remembered for, you know, the three-way match that Uncle Dave gave five stars to, not to spoil anything, but, I mean, we already talked about how amazing it is, and uh, I don't know why Wikipedia always quotes Canadian Online Explorer, I don't know if they're a big publication, but they rated the show an eight out of ten stars, so, uh, I mean, that's, you know, something to look forward to, man, we don't just ironically cover bad stuff,
2: <laughs> Once in a while. right. But all right, man. Uh, the Fall Brawl well, one, by the way, it's going to have to be the exception because...
1: That is ironically covering a bad show. <laughs> there is one match in particular on the show I can't wait to talk to you about. And oh, I can because, wait. Yeah, not because of the great quality of it either. But all right, that does it for that one. Thank you for joining me today, Greg.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we'll join you next week yet again. When who you gonna trust, brother? It's Hulk Hogan. is Sting. In the main event for the WCW title at Fall Brawl 1999.